Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. The movies this week are Return of the Killer Tomatoes and Return to Horror High, both of which star George Clooney before he was famous enough to live to the end. Return of the Killer Tomatoes included product placement before Wayne's World did. Don't forget to buy your Pepsi and Coke products at our concession stand. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Oh yeah, speaking of problems, I was going to tell you, Brian, I had a bunch of water in my basement. Oh, that's the fucking worst. I just figured you'd want to know. (laughs) Yeah. Mine was a clogged, like, drain pipe. So all the like condensation from your air conditioner had nowhere to go. It turns out somebody sometime in the past put like pliers and other assorted tools into the drain pipe in my basement. I don't know why. It's such a quaint, quaint problem to have. I know. Other than, you know, your sewer completely backing up into your basement. Listen, it's the Canadian equivalent to your American problem. I guess right? so. It's the same sort of thing. It's just just kind of, you know, there happens to be a lot less of a big issue, you know? Yeah. You don't come over and you're like, well, there's shit everywhere, so have fun. And then you just leave. You, you guys can't hear me now? Yeah. Okay. That was weird. I was like testing it. It was working on absolutely everything. So I hung up and came back in. Yeah. All right. I don't know why you didn't try that right away. It's usually the proper thing to do. <laughs> well, in, in this case, I've I've been having problems with the microphone, so I just assumed it was the microphone. Oh, okay. Fuck you, microphone. Yeah, yeah, this microphone might have to go the way of the dinosaur. Oh, I almost bought a new microphone recently, but then I didn't. So, and I was gonna say I should probably switch to a USB microphone. I just hate them so much. Depends on what kind you get. My my problem with them is I, I can never get that latency setting correct. And so there's always a delay between me talking and everyone else hearing me. And that, that like, fucks everything all up. But I think we're kind of all okay with not hearing you right away. That's my feelings. <laughs> I mean, you can do what I did. We just bought a $600 mixer board for the other podcast, and uh, I use that. Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking about going as crazy as buying a one hundred dollar microphone. Crazy. That's sort of why I didn't buy a new microphone when I was thinking about it. I was like looking at them. I'm like, all the good ones are like over a hundred dollars. I'm gonna spend that. Yeah, 
The one I was using before, I was just a uh, twenty-five dollar one. But I I have the Legend, one of the best microphones of all time, and you can't I can't fucking use it for podcasting anymore because it requires a powered amp, and without buying a super expensive mixing board like you have all of that power feeds through the mic line into the computer and makes this god awful electric hum be like it's to, yeah well you should probably not do that i guess yeah no it sounds it sounds really bad that's why i switched now i'm using so i like i said i've got i've, I've got a sure 58 which is one of the greatest microphones ever and it's like indestructible and instead i'm using like a shitty 20 dollar fucking Walmart karaoke microphone. Does that mean if you hit the wrong button while we're recording, music will play in the background? Because I'd like you to accidentally do that once in a while, <laughs> if that's the case. If I had the power to do that, it would not be an accident, sir. I can kind of do that. We would be we would be rocking out to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes right now. Yeah, I could I could kind of do it. Speaking of which, Brian. Yeah. Edit in the theme song for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. They'll beat you, bash you, squish you, mash you, chew you up for brunch, and finish you off for dinner or lunch. No, come on, we're... Return of the Killer Tomatoes, the proper theme song for what we're discussing. I think you should do Attack of the Killer Tomatoes at the beginning of the episode and Return of the Killer Tomatoes at the end of the episode. Yeah, now you just confirmed that that's never going to happen. Oh. I really enjoyed the theme song for Return of the Killer Tomatoes. It's it's the same theme song for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Well, I know, because they say that in the lyrics to the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they reference themselves a lot. Well, since we're talking about it, Noah, why don't you just run down what Return of the Killer T- Tomatoes is? Uh, so Return of the Killer Tomatoes takes place after the Great Tomato War of the uh, first Attack of the Killer Tomato movie. Uh, it's surprisingly, like, accurate in continuity for for a, a, a weird B-movie sequel that, like, prides itself on being a weird B-movie sequel. Uh, it follows... Oh man, I forgot his freaking name. Crazy parachute guy with a samurai sword now owns a pizza shop. Uh, his yeah. nephew falls in love with a woman who just so happens to be a tomato. <laughs> uh, a tomato created by the new character, Dr. Gangrene, who is not in the first film, but he's in everything after that. Oh, really? Yeah. I figured he was. I don't know. I've never seen the original one, so... Played played by John Aston the whole time. Yeah, John Aston's yeah, awesome. They, yeah, they don't ever swap him out. He's in all the rest of the. I do believe he even did the voice of Gangrene on the cartoon. That's cool. He this seems to a, he seems to really enjoy that character. 
Yeah, it's, it's it's really just him having fun. He's not really... I wouldn't call what he's doing acting as much as I'd call him just having I, a blast on camera. <laughs> I would say that's, that, that's what the entire Attack of the Killer Tomatoes series is. Everyone's just having fun. You can tell the actors are having fun. You can tell the director was having fun. You know what I mean? Like, they, none of them took it too seriously. They all got it. The humor's mostly on point, I think. Uh, so, basically, Dr. Gang Green in this movie is turning tomatoes into people, obviously, because there's a lady tomato. He also creates the fuzzy tomato, FT, who is the character who also carries through <laughs> to everything after this. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, so he's creating an army of tomato men in this one. And of course, his, his, his plans get thwarted in hilarious comedic ways. Oh, it also introduces his sidekick, Igor, who once again, that character and actor carries through <laughs> to everything. Man. There's lots of carry. You, this, this franchise, for being as low budget and random as it is, it's got a lot of carryover power. Like they don't they don't replace a lot of people as they go along. Does uh, does Clooney come back for any of the other movies? Or <laughs> uh, Clooney, as it turns out, does not. Okay. Uh, again, I'm not really up to date on the series. So, oh. you know, whenever he did this movie, this was between him being on ER and him uh, becoming famous on ER. <laughs> Is that true? This from yeah. eighty eight ER was on way back then. No, a different right. show. Explain named it. ER. Explain it. No, <laughs> I know what I know what you're talking about. Yeah, There's E E slash R. Different show. <laughs> different show from the early eighties. And uh, George Clooney was on like eight episodes of that as a doctor. Mm. It was only on for two seasons. Yeah. Okay. And and then came back to star in ER. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a traditional sitcom, like, you know, filmed in front of a live studio audience, that whole nonsense. Yeah, I can't remember half the, the only other person I can really remember was in that show was the, uh, the big loud lady that played, um, the housekeeper on Two and a Half Men. Yeah, that lady. I know who that lady is. I don't know her name either. I don't know. Right. Look it up. She's, she, she's a that guy. Yeah. We're off off topic here, so... Well, not really. If we're talking about Clooney, he was on two shows called ER. It's it's weird. (laughs) He was in two movies that are horror parodies that came out within a couple years of each other that it really put way too much emphasis on the joke of breaking the fourth wall that (laughs) I happen to own on the same discs. Hidden themes, yo. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the crazy if you guys ever looked at George Clooney's like early career cuz it's weird. He had a weird career. Cuz he started off he was on a fairly successful show that went two seasons although he wasn't on for the entire time. Then he just fucking did anything that was handed to him. You can tell. I mean, you look at his movies, they're all just these random off the wall fucking B-movie shit. Then he's on ER, one of the most successful TV shows ever, becomes a huge superstar, and then quits that to go back (laughs) 
and do this crazy movie shit again. Because then he was in like Dust Till Dawn and all that, but but with Quentin Tarantino at the helm, that one landed, and then you know uh, Robert okay. Rodriguez. Thank you very much. Yeah, Robert Robert Rodriguez. Quentin Tarantino thing. was in it, and he wrote it. But I'm just saying, I personally Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino are the same human being in my personal opinion. I th- well, I think they just pretend to be other people. A lot less feet in Robert Rodriguez movies. <laughs> you they, you say talking about Dust Till Dawn, which listen, has one of listen. the nastiest scenes. Well, but that's <laughs> Tarantino was in that, so I'm sure he orchestrated yeah, yeah. that whole nonsense. Brian, Brian, you're, yeah. you're doing it wrong. Okay, okay, because because you're nitpicking this little tiny piece of what Noah said. <laughs> you're skipping over the fact that he's comparing all of these like killer tomatoes and killer high movies that Clooney did in the eighties. He's going, and then he goes back to doing crazy random shit, like working with Tarantino and the Coen brothers. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Those aren't the same thing. Here's, here's the thing. Dusk till dawn on paper is a shitty B movie that shouldn't work. It is. Like, no, I, I, I think we can all accept that. It's just they happen to be fucking geniuses. And no matter what the fuck they do, doing this weird off the wall shit, somehow it still works. No, I agree with that. I think that was the intended purpose. It was almost like their grindhouse before grindhouse. Right. I mean, it's a vampire movie that doesn't have any fucking vampires in it until the second half of the movie. <laughs> so what did, what did George Clooney do in, in Return of the Killer Tomatoes? Uh, he plays Besides the best the, friend of the nephew. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's all you're getting. All that talk about his career, and that's what you're going to give us about the movie we're here to discuss. I mean, uh, I mean, his his more entire, than the next movie. His entire job in this movie is to be the horny best friend, essentially, and he's sort of the hero. I think he's supposed to be the like the good looking protagonist character that we are all supposed to look up to, kind of thing. Or right. his friend is kind of the bumbling idiot who gets to be the star because of the nature of the movie this is. I was going to say, you know what the funny thing is, is I don't think George Clooney was at all meant to be the star of this film. It's just no. he's so charismatic and attractive and good yeah. at acting that he just tears it away from everyone else. That might be it. I mean, it's him him and John Aston. Him and John Aston in this movie <laughs> are so fucking above and beyond the capabilities of everyone else that it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I pointed out in our chat. I was just like, uh, yeah, Clooney is so much better than everybody else in this movie. And it doesn't even feel like he's trying in this movie. No, it feels like he's just there having fun, but it's, he's just got that, that natural charisma and yeah. that natural talent that just has him shining above all these other people that are just, Literally, in some cases, I think reading cards off screen just like to get the lines right. <laughs> well, and he's yeah. got he's got such great fucking delivery that it makes certain scenes that the jokes might have fell a little flat, like hit a little harder. The fucking product placement scene is so fucking funny. And I think it's all funny because he has such a great smiley commercial face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it works really well because of that. I reach for an ice cold Pepsi. <laughs> Moosehead. I like the fact that Moosehead beer was apparently a sponsor of this movie. I fucking love Moosehead beer. Do you know what's particularly interesting about that? 
that was one of the most effective product placements in history because guess what I did when I did today after watching this movie last went out night? and bought some Moosehead beer. I'm drinking one right now. Hell yeah. It's not as good as it used to be. Coors, Coors bought them out, and now it's okay. Jesus. Did you, uh, did you get a Crunch Bar? No, I only oh. went for the Moosehead beer. By far my favorite joke in this whole movie was when the guys come in and they got the two beers held up and they start talking to each other in the different accents. <laughs> so one guy's speaking in a Canadian accent, the other guy's speaking in an Australian accent. Oh my god. I mean that whole the whole middle third of the movie where it's just blatant over the top like he like sits down and he's holding a box of cornflakes for no fucking reason. <laughs> my two favorite ones were uh so there's the moment where John Aston's giving one of his speeches, and when he turns around, his lab coat is sponsored by Pepsi. <laughs> I oh, love yeah, that yeah, moment. Yeah. That was hilarious. But the, the even better one, because it was more subtle, and I don't, I don't know if a lot of people would even pick it up, but there's a, a moment where they come in, and George Clooney's sitting there watching TV, and he's holding up, like, a drink in one hand and a chocolate bar in the other hand so all those labels are facing right at the camera but somebody comes in and spins his chair around to start talking to him but he moves his hands so they're still facing the camera even though <laughs> his chair's been turned <laughs> it's it's just perfect because if you're not paying attention you wouldn't even pick up on it but it's hilarious i didn't even notice that he kept him yeah. towards the camera <laughs> yeah i noticed it. it's a he's he fosters beer and he's nibbling on an o henry bar yeah and so he's, it's hilarious that he just he just he just adjusts his hands somehow. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad that it sounds like you guys enjoyed this movie. I was a little worried that we were going to come in and this is going to be one of those Noah loves this movie and everyone else fucking hates him. Well, I, for the record, I won't go as far as to say I loved it. The product placement is by far probably the best joke in the whole movie. Um they get it almost perfectly right and they do it great it's very funny but there are a number of moments in this movie where there are some groan inducing moments let's put it that way well they miss i mean they swing for the fences and miss every once in a while but at the same time i just i i don't know some of the jokes are so off the wall and clever that they just blow your fucking mind like the she came in the bedroom with eight, eight mil cartons and a tuning fork (laughs) and then he he makes a reference to that later on and then i'm doubting you guys sat down and watched the cartoon series leading up to this show i i have seen this that is all of the killer tomatoes franchise that i'm familiar with same so in the very first episode of the cartoon he makes another reference to that Okay. He said he he said he says something about like using only eight milk cartons in a tuning fork, <laughs> and you're like, whoa! They just made a really weird sex reference in this fucking cartoon. That's okay. Was it still the '80s when that stuff like that was okay? Yeah. Well, and they actually they make the Tara character carries over into the cartoon, although now she's like a 17 year old girl. And there's a whole lot of uh, maybe slightly more subtle double entendre jokes Okay, that they make about her sexuality all the time. It's really weird. 
like the first time she turns into a tomato and turns back, she says something about, you know, it's hard being such a luscious, juicy tomato or something like that. You're like, (laughs) unnecessary. Yeah, I I will think in the movie, there were some moments that were just kind of, like I say, swings and misses. Um, The biggest one for me was probably when they finally went into that one room full of tomatoes and the guy was looking for the tomato that was his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. He's just going through screaming at all tomatoes. And maybe if it was just a better actor, that could have been funny. But for I was just like, oh, God, just move on. Just, Just stop trying this one. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it seems to go on for quite a while. But it's like probably the two, like other than the product placement, the best like tomato themed joke had had to be when uh, John Aston held up that tomato and squished it in front of everybody with that like just evil look on his face. <laughs> like as if he's just torturing people and he's like, ah, and he's just squeezing the tomato and it's squishing all over the place. <laughs> like that was that was probably the best tomato joke in the whole movie. I like that one. I also like whenever they break into his lab and they're trying to turn Tara back, but they keep playing the wrong music. <laughs> so the tomato just keeps turning into like fucking Michael Jackson and Elvis, <laughs> a bunch of random ass people. See, I didn't enjoy that too much, mostly because um, I didn't think the characters looked enough like the actual characters. And it's sort of like, that's the kind of joke that would be absolutely hilarious if you could get Michael Jackson to stand there for a shot and just insert it into your movie um, but the guy didn't look enough like Michael Jackson so it felt kind of too that's where I think like things like the budget actually hurt but uh, I like I also like the fact that Igor is tailing them through the whole movie in a giant fucking brightly painted dump truck yes I enjoyed it, that and it takes them a while to figure it out yeah well it's <laughs> hilarious too because at one point like they, the movie draws attention to it to let the to remind the audience like you know how stupid this is right when they're all at like the restaurant and the one character comes out and he goes to the valet and he's like yeah it's the red Corvette and he hands him the keys and then Igor comes out behind him and he's like it's the garbage truck and yeah, then it's, he the, co- it's the big red garbage truck but the guy comes back with the wrong garbage truck <laughs> yeah yeah a big white garbage truck <laughs> Which, I mean, on the one hand, it's like, obviously what they're doing is they're trying to give you that, like, heads up of like, hey, you know, we all know this is stupid, right? Like, so you can laugh at it. But on the other hand, it kind of feels like maybe they're also implying, ah, there's a lot of garbage trucks driving around this town. It makes sense people wouldn't notice. (laughs) Uh, It's good stuff. Uh, Did you know that this, they never intended to make a sequel to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? I assumed that was true. I don't think anybody who was coming up with a concept for Attack of the Killer Tomatoes would be like, I bet you this will be a franchise. I think that's how this will work. Well, so so crazy story. So, uh, well, obviously we'll talk a little more about the franchise later because I watched all of them. But uh, just for context, so the first movie was made for less than $100,000. Right. And over $60,000 of that was a single mistake where they accidentally crashed a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is in the movie, by the way. It's it's toward the Wait. beginning of the movie. They straight up accidentally wrecked a helicopter. 
And you spend sixty grand on one shot, you're using that shot. So Oh yeah, yeah. They they so what they did is after they wrecked it and everyone was okay and all that kind of stuff, they were like, Well, how are we gonna use that footage? And they wrote a new scene and like set it on fire <laughs> and they were like, We'll just pay for it. We'll just pay for the helicopter. <laughs> Well, you don't have any choice we're, at that point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're like, we're already paying for it. We might as well set the fucker on fire and get another scene. An indie movie like that doesn't have enough insurance to cover a helicopter. So. Right. But so with a budget of $100,000, they actually made half a million. So, so they made five times the money back, yeah. which I, I don't think many people would have expected. <laughs> Especially if you watch that that movie is basically like guerrilla filmmaking. It, it is as yeah. low budget as low budget gets. You can you can tell with the fifteen minutes worth of footage from that movie that they inserted into this movie that we're talking about. Yep, and then this one they uh, I can't remember who the film company was, but all the, uh, basically a film company just came to them and they were like, "We want you to make a sequel, and we're going to give you two million dollars to make it." And they were like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Why wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, that's Clooney give, money. Yeah, give me, give me two. Yeah, that's George Clooney money. <laughs> early, early career George Clooney money, but yeah. still, we could get that guy that was on Facts of Life to be in it for that money. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, and the the best thing is that this franchise pretty much made money all the way through. Because then after this was the cartoon series, and the cartoon series, well, I I should caveat this: the first season of the cartoon series. <laughs> was very popular second season not so much uh and so it was a big draw and the only reason why that cartoon series exists is because of marvel because marvel productions picked it up because they were also making another cartoon of a ridiculous nature called toxic crusaders based off of a fucking trauma movie that's so weird right at least at least this movie i can kind of see making a cartoon of. I still haven't seen either of the cartoons, but I can understand how this one would translate into a, a kid's cartoon. The Killer it Tomatoes. Does. And, and it's not like the, the humor in this isn't trauma humor. It's not that I don't know. It's not over-sexualized and it's not right. as over the Actually, the, fu- the funniest thing is a lot of the humor revolves around the fact that there aren't naked girls in it. They like draw a fact. They draw attention to it over and over again. Where they're like, you know, if we had nudity in this movie, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think that this movie almost comes across as like, what if Troma, like, say Troma was successful at making a kids movie? I think this is what you'd get. Right, right. What if they could pull their punches a little better? Yeah, yeah. And so there's all that, and then of course they, they, there was two additional sequel movies which are stranger yeah but but still good and once again we'll talk about those later so i won't waste everybody's time in this section of the show okay yeah you, you you're so against doing that you hate going on tangents um <laughs> well if i go if i go on if i go on too much of a tangent now i won't have anything to talk about at the end of the show because i watched nothing <laughs> but killer tomato stuff <laughs> all right do you have any other favorite parts that you want to tell us about, Noah? Because you're, like, obviously way more into this than the rest of us. Uh, I don't I don't know. I just fucking... Every second of this movie is gold to me. I just... They don't... I, I know... Because e- I feel like even when the humor misses, that makes it hit. Because it almost feels like they're missing on purpose. Because they just get what they're doing. I don't... 
especially with the fourth wall breaking stuff. And, and that continues on through the series, too, where they like they yeah. like to call attention to the fact that this is a movie. It was super weird the way they did it in this movie, though, because they did like the traditional fourth wall breaking. But then they still had like that intro thing at the beginning, introducing it as if it's a movie. So it's sort of these weird inception layers of like, yeah, well, look, we're introducing it. We're having a movie that has like a, a character introducing the movie that you're about to watch. But then within that movie, we're still going to break those fourth walls. So I don't even know what universe they were breaking through the fourth wall into. Was it our universe or was it the universe where that sh- talk show host from it's, the beginning of the movie lived? Well, I think it's the tomato first. The tomato verse. I don't think that's anything, but uh, that's a a fucking thing. God damn it! Uh, Did you guys like when the guy called the talk show host in the beginning called and John Huston answered the phone? And you're like, oh yeah, right, that from the beginning of the movie. Forgot that had happened. (laughs) There's also once again, you guys haven't watched the other movies, so you don't know this, but there's a bunch of like carryover jokes that that are jokes that you would only get if you watched the first movie, which is pretty (laughs) impressive. Like the carrots at the end is a reference to the first movie. And, uh, whenever the, the guy shows up and says, I'm with the screen actor skilled, you have to pay all these people. That's a reference to the first movie because they talk about the fact, something about not having SAG actors working on the film. Okay. See, that's that's actually impressive. I, There's more to I, like I said, it's it's better crafted than you think it is. Like all, so all of it, all the movies directed by the same guy, the the cartoon series is uh produced by that guy that um Joe Joe Bello, I think is his name. I can I, I could be wrong about that. Like John Aston carry past the first movie a lot of things carry over. Like I said, the Igor character carries over John Aston carries over fuzzy tomato carries over. Uh, and to an extent, Katana wielding parachute guy carries over. Yeah. Although yeah. half the time he's just a kid. Yeah. I will say like my immediate response to this movie was like, Holy shit. This is like a real movie that knows what it's doing and is funny. And isn't just like, three people who managed to square square together enough money to throw tomatoes at each other or something. Cause I, <laughs> I had pretty low expectations going into this, having not seen anything from the series. Um, and just, just assuming it was as bad as the title suggests, but it's, it's way better than the title suggests, which is, I guess a low bar, but I was, it, it impressed me that on that level. I would say, Weirdly, all of them fall into that same category. Okay, where you're not where you're not entirely wrong about the bad stuff, but it still ends up being more competent than you think it would. Like the third movie is even cheesier in a certain way because it, it's a direct uh, video movie. But you would go into it being like, "This is going to be such fucking garbage," and then you watch it and you're like. Okay, no that that was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> like they got me, they got me off guard with with actually being really fucking funny. Did you guys talk about the greatest payoff in this movie? Which one? Which is George Clooney throwing the pizza dough up in the air and then answering the phone, and then we never see it fall. And then at the very end, they're like, "We've paid off every joke," and he's like, "Not every." And then pizza dough falls on his head. <laughs> that was a pretty good moment. That was a pretty good moment. 
Yeah, I see. I and I like that. I like that in these films, the the uh, the camera crew and the director and stuff exist as characters within the the framework. If that makes sense. Yeah, all the fourth wall breaking stuff worked surprisingly well. Um, I I liked the moment where they did like they're like, hey. Has there been a car chase in this movie yet? And the guy's like, no. And he immediately runs into something, and they're like, low-budget filmmaking, what do you expect? <laughs> and, it's, and then they just move on from that moment as if that happened in the world, which is funny. I I also like the the joke. So we were talking about the product placement, the lead-in joke where they're all like, the entire crew is like crammed into the side of the room, and, you know, it's just a normal low-budget camera crew and stuff. And then about 30 minutes later in the film, they're doing another thing of product placement. And I think that time it was for like an ATV or something, right? (laughs) Something random like that. And and they were like, this is getting ridiculous. Have we done enough product placement? Is this film paid for? And it pans over and all the directors and and camera crew, they're wearing like $500 suits and smoking cigars. And there's girls in bikinis (laughs) waiting on them. And they're like, yeah, I think we're good at this point. (laughs) That's a pretty good moment. So overall, I would say successful, but... (laughs) I'm not going to say it's the best movie in the world, but I did not. I was not upset watching it. I feel, yeah, I feel like you and I are coming at this from the same place, Brian. Where it's like we went in for not expecting much, and no, it, it just kind of went. Oh yeah, all right. Get your guard down, do you? Did you know John Austin was in the movie? And I'm like, no, I didn't fucking know that. How would I know that? <laughs> like that's pretty good. I'm glad he's there. Like I said, and, this and is a, uh, this almost feels like a trauma movie, like one of the better trauma movies at least. But there's like no nudity in this movie. Yeah, you, you yeah we well, we were talking while you were gone. It's it's like a trauma movie that actually knows how to pull the punches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if trauma decided to make a kids movie, I'm sure they would fail. But if they were successful, it would be this. Yeah. And I think they got really lucky getting Clooney because there are little moments of him in this movie where he really elevates it. So we talked about um, the scene where the tomato keeps turning into different characters. And I said I didn't really like that scene. But Clooney's reactions when it happens are really a, a saver to make that not completely groan inducing. Like when the Pope shows up and Clooney just goes, uh, hey, Pope. It's like that's pretty funny. I don't, and not a lot of actors could make that a funny moment because it's not. There's nothing special about it, yeah. but it, it. It's interesting that his charisma kind of shines through in that. And then when it, the one time it turns her into like a blonde girl, and it's maybe we should just give up. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that's consistent with his character from the rest of the movie. I believe he would do that. Yeah, and they're all like running out of the lab, <laughs> and he's he's like, yeah, yeah, let's keep going. And then he just grabs a tomato and starts like tiptoeing back to the machine or whatever i was getting ready to say i forgot about that whenever they're like where's he at and they're like he went back to the lab to destroy the machinery and the next thing it just <laughs> him running out on the beach with like 50 bikini girls <laughs> uh, this goddamn movie uh, my th- my thing is i think if you enjoy the movie airplane for its style of comedy. I think you would mostly get the humor of the Killer Tomato franchise. Like, it, it's similar. It's kind of that joke a minute. It's funny because it's so 
subversive to what you're expecting yeah. to happen, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah. High high recommend. Um it's probably arguably two is probably the best movie of the series. This is probably the best one. Having seen nothing else, I already think that. So <laughs> I mean the first one the first one's great for other fucking reasons. But I I think part of my love of the first movie is I love low budget filmmaking and it's the lowest of the budget filmmaking. Like I said, when half when half your budget is an accident. Yeah. No, and, and I can appreciate when movies do that and I don't I try not to disrespect low budget filmmaking for the shortcomings that are naturally come along with that. But it's clear just from the clips from that movie that are used in this movie that this movie is significantly better made. <laughs> right. The first one, the first one does a great joke where there's kind of like a scroll at the beginning, and then it talks about Alfred Hitchcock making the movie The Birds, and that you know, and it's like people thought that movie was ridiculous and they laughed. And he goes, but then two years later. Uh, flock of birds descended on a Connecticut town and they couldn't dislodge them and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, so it's not so funny now. And then they're like, so we made this movie. <laughs> it's like, I love the fact that they're, they're comparing their low budget shit movie to an Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll stick with this one. I feel like I, I'm, I highly I, recommend watching the other ones. I, I feel, yeah, I know you do, but that doesn't. That's not usually how I decide whether to watch a movie or not. Like, like I said, so to, Killer Tomatoes Strike Back. Watch the movie, the beginning of the movie, until the first tomato joke, and if you don't cackle like a fucking insane person because it's a Friday the 13th joke I, I then don't watch the rest of the fucking movie because you're not going to have any fun <sighs> like I, I had to pause the movie the first time I saw it because I was laughing so hard it's such it's a dumb fantastic joke so so I think Brian and I are kind of on the same page of yeah this was pretty good I don't think we're going to recommend an entire series of films based on how much we enjoyed this one, but we were pleasantly surprised that this one wasn't bad. And Noah is just, I think he's not on, you can't hear him right now because he's doing car wheels, but how excited he is about Killer Tomatoes movies. <laughs> I, you know what the worst part of this entire experience was for me? Our friend from Skewered Universe trying to say you don't need to watch the rest of the films. He's wrong. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> Watch them all. Watch the cartoon. The whole cartoon series is on YouTube, as is Killer Tomatoes Strike Back and uh, Killer Tomatoes Eat France. Oh, Strike Back. I'm not eat, watching Killer Tomatoes Eat France. That's never going to happen. Uh, Strike Back is on YouTube. Then I may one day get around to watching it up until the Friday the 13th joke, because I like Friday the 13th jokes. Like I said, just watch it. And that would be fine. Just watch it until that. And if you don't think that that's super fucking funny, then walk away. All right. I'm not. I'll, I'll sit here and I will gladly promise to put that on my list of to watch things. But you know better than to think that that means I'm going to watch it. So. Like, like I said, we'll talk. We'll talk more about those at the end of the show because there's some interesting casting stuff to talk about. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, all right. Well, Doug, do you want to explain maybe the opposite reaction to this movie with uh, Return to Horror High? Wow. You're already if upset, you can, eh? If you can actually tell me what the fuck happened in this movie, like the actual plot of what happened in this movie, <laughs> I will no joke, like, PayPal you $20. <laughs> Because I I watched this movie and was paying very close attention. And at the end of the movie, I was like, I have no idea what the fuck just happened. So, yeah, because the movie is about... (laughs) The movie is about... Okay, so there was a bunch of killings at a high school. And a few years later, some low-budget filmmakers are taking over the high school, which is now closed... And they're going to make a movie about the killings. And they've even gotten some of the people who were actually involved, including the principal, uh, one of the police officers, and I think a janitor that were actually involved in the original killings are going to play themselves in this movie version. Um, But then things start to go wrong when we realize the killer is still on the loose. The whole movie is told in a format where we're, we're being shown the aftermath of this with the sole survivor, who is the writer from the movie, explaining to the police what happened in sort of flashback format. Um, but then within that, we're also sometimes just getting scenes from the movie play out, and we're not sure if those are actually what's happening or if they're scenes from the movie. And then within that, we've also got... <laughs> at least one dream sequence whereby one of the actors on set who is we we learned through a flashback (laughs) that the actor was on set and fell asleep and dreamed about them being in an actual scene from the movie so I think this is one of Christopher Nolan's favorite movies I'm pretty sure Inception (laughs) is a rip off of this or Hiception yeah. Anyways, so at some point, it turns out I'm doing my best to give you guys a plot description. It turns out, <laughs> so they they figure out like the cop who's playing himself in the movie and one of the other actresses figure out that the killings are going on. They investigate. They figure out who the killer is, and that's sort of where it cuts off. And we realize in the flash forwards all of these characters are dead, so we're waiting to see them killed, but we don't necessarily get to see them killed. Um, and now we're back in the in the, the flash-forwards, the sort of wraparound story, and as the police storm into the school to go find the killer, you know to still be on the loose, all of the bodies get up and leave, because most of them were never dead. They were faking it so that they could have the marketing. But as far as I could tell, all of them were never dead. But if they were all never dead, how was there actually a killer? Because it appears there actually is a killer. Oh, there's definitely actually a killer. But maybe but he that's didn't kill anybody. No, I think he killed like two people. And the I think the logic of the movie is that he killed a couple of people. Then the cop and, the, and his new girlfriend, who's the actress, killed him. And then that's when they had this great idea to pretend they were all dead because the goal is there to have the big marketing behind. We made this big slasher movie, but then all of the actors from it are actually really dead. Thinking that would be a great marketing tool, which is weird because then you'd think they would figure it out when all those people aren't dead. 
Right. But did, I there was... did, I get, did I Did I do I get my twenty dollars? <laughs> I don't think I, so. I, I don't. Is, I don't know. Is that I'm is any of sure that that's is what any of that accurate though? I don't. I still don't understand. <laughs> like the cop's girlfriend in high school was the principal's oh, daughter yeah. that yeah. he oh, knocked oh, no. up, okay. and then the. The principal forced her to get an yeah. abortion, and, she, yeah, and so, she went crazy, and or died, and or he killed her and kept her body in the school. I'm pretty sure. I'm, okay, so we I didn't get into yeah, I didn't get into those details yet, but this is what I think happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. So, in high school, this cop was going to that same high school, which where the killings happened later, where they're filming the movie later. Um, so for now, like fourth layer of inception into this story <laughs> he had a girlfriend slept with her on prom night she disappeared he never saw her again he did not know that his girlfriend was the principal's daughter because she used a different last name at school to avoid the kids picking on her and what we get from the killer after it's revealed that the principal is the killer is that she was impregnated and had to give herself an abortion and I think the impression that we're supposed to get is that she died as a result of that. And so all these killings were him being driven mad and killing people in the school where he, that he associated with his daughter. And then he would take the bodies in the basement and dress them up like his daughter for reasons. But, but who, and, who did and, he kill? Well, the, I think the bodies that were down there were all like from the original killing spree. Yeah. That were never found because it was so, to go through the trap door. So then, did he not kill anybody from the movie set? No, I think he killed like. Look, did, did Clooney die? That's all we really care about. I have no idea. Yeah, I think he did. I think Clooney died. Right. Okay. And um, then the and then the writer of the film is his son. Is that is that I, right? I'm not even going to try to answer that question, and you can't make me. I'm, just saying, and, <laughs> I'm still but, working on the who died. And, and if he died, and you're throwing out who is he, who's related to who? God damn it! I, I'm just saying this. There are so many questions at the end of this movie. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't understand. What What was the need? What was the need for him to have been the son? And if he was the son, and if he was in on the killings, he helped the entire crew leave without getting killed. Well, the, the last sentence you said is definitely true. Right. That's, I, that's I, what I, I got. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, could you imagine? Like, that's like, that's like Jason Voorhees putting on a fucking crossing guard uniform and <laughs> showing the kids the way out of the camp. I don't, I don't fucking get it. I don't get any of it. Well, did he, is he, I, didn't, I don't think I even picked up on the fact that he was the son of the, I was trying to figure out all the other shit. Hmm. This is more confusing than the carrot uprising. <laughs> Significantly more confusing. Um, I'm just saying, the, the, the last movie is literally about killer vegetables, and it makes more sense than this movie. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> He's not. I, no one argued that point. I'm still trying to be able to say who died. I think the actor that was playing the... So there, I think there was, like, one, like, grip or something that died. Clooney died, and the actor that was playing the quarterback, he died for real, I think. 
this movie is fucking terrible. Oh, oh, and can we also point out? I just while we're talking about who died and who didn't, the janitor never really existed. So, the janitor was the principal oh. in blackface the whole time, God. which was fucking. Phenomenal. Oh man, I never made the connection that it was blackface. That I was thinking that the the worst thing was the only black person in the entire movie turned out not even to be a real person. Well, I don't think it's black. It's like one of those latex masks, like from those Charlie Angels, Charlie's Angels movies and Mission Impossible movies. I think like, that's still blackface. I don't know how the rules work. <laughs> I did notice that when they pulled his mask off and then they pulled back, his body type was completely different. And his hands were no longer black. <laughs> well, I mean, that actor was a good six inches shorter than him. <laughs> it's heavy set. Those, those two did not look anything alike. There's no way one of those guys was the other guy in a mask. But whatever. No. And and I was going to say, and unlike the last movie where they could have got away with it by playing it off as a joke, this movie's, I think, trying to play it straight. Oh no, I don't think so. I think this movie is trying don't? to be a comedy. Is it? Yeah, it's not funny. <laughs> well, there are there are certain jokes that did work for me. I'm going to say that I'll give the movie credit. Like a little bit of the comedy worked for me. Um, mostly the stuff with the producer and the director fighting over what type of movie they were supposed to make. That stuff was pretty funny. I thought um, there's one like clown car joke is the only word I know to describe it. Where they're they're filming a scene of the movie in the uh, in the high school bathroom, and when they like call cut. And like a, like the actors come out of the stall, and then the director comes out, and then the whole fucking crew just kind of comes out of the stall behind them. And I think it's supposed to be funny, and it made me laugh. So either it was a complete failure at making a serious scene, or it was supposed to be funny and worked. I'm not sure. Also, yeah. is this a sequel? No. I don't. I don't think so. Is because there is a movie called Horror High, right? Yeah. In the trivia, it says they're not related whatsoever. Okay, so this is like Troll 2. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, like, the, like this movie, like the Return to Horror High in the context of this film, I don't think it's meant to imply that it's a sequel. It's meant to imply that they're returning to the high school where the previous killings happened. But yeah. I didn't get the impression that those killings were from another movie. Well, I was going to say, because the, the other confusing, the poster art would imply it's a sequel as well because the like horror high it's a uh, like a skeleton and return to horror high it's like a skeleton in a cheerleader outfit like the the artwork is very similar okay and and once again maybe maybe that's just a maybe it's a troll 2 reference where they're doing the whole non-sequel sequel sequel thing Uh, I think that what these guys were going for. I don't think that they were trying to make a sequel to horror high. I think they were trying to make like a parody of slasher films. The problem with that being like your parody of slasher films shouldn't have four or five layers of inception. The problem being parodies are supposed to be funnier. The problem being that the biggest problem for me was like when they finally got around to making some kills, they were not fun kills and they weren't, they were kind of bloodless. And I'm like, I waited a long time to watch people get killed. You fucking show me some, a lot of people getting killed, right? Like, the type of movie this is is the type of the movie the producer in this movie wanted to make, not the type of movie the director in this movie wanted to make. So they should have amped up that gore and stuff. Yeah. Or they could have just not made this movie. That would have been fine, too. 
The exploding boob was kind of funny. I enjoyed that joke. <laughs> you know what the funniest part of that is? Is that it's, you know, obviously it's the girl's real chest. Yeah. And they they make this reference that, oh, no, those are fake. Those are that's prosthetics. And then he pulls it off and it looks absolutely nothing like a real boob. Like it's no, terrible. I know. It's fantastic. I think that's on purpose. I don't know. I took it as being on purpose. Maybe I just wanted to enjoy the movie. Maybe I was working too hard to enjoy this. I think you were. So I actually own this movie. I bought it a long time ago on DVD. Yeah, me too. That's why it's on the. That's why we're doing it this week. Is because I bought these two movies in a yeah. two pack disc. So. Yeah, I uh, I watched it after I bought it. It was like this is fucking terrible. Oh, I was not looking forward to watching it again. I was like, but maybe I'll reevaluate it. Maybe I'll, maybe it's not as bad as I remember. No, it's it's still pretty bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have the hate for it that you clearly do, Brian. I'll tell you that. Like I, I enjoyed enough of the humor in it. I enjoyed the uh, what's her name, the girl from the Brady Bunch there. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed her character the way she kept constantly, like intentionally sticking her chest out and undoing a button whenever she was talking to her boss. She was one of the police officers for people who haven't seen the movie. <laughs> I, well, I found um, that entertaining. Marsha Brady. Yeah. Sure. I don't remember which Brady she was, but she was Marsha. Okay. Marsha, um, Marsha, Marsha. Anyways, I like like there were there were moments in this movie that I liked. Like I say, for me, if the if there had been good, hypothetically if there had been good kills, and maybe dial back the Inception elements a little bit, and get rid of the part of the ending where all the bodies get up and leave, I'd have been uh, happy with the movie is a strong word, but less disappointed by far. Once again, uh, Clooney was like the best thing in this movie, and he's in it for less than five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, clearly the decision to advertise George Clooney being in this movie is based <laughs> on success he had after this movie. You know, you know, you know what the funniest thing is? So for, he gets second billing in the movie. Why is that? And he was an unnamed actor. I just don't fucking get that at all. Yeah, like he was nobody. He gets second billing, and he's in the movie for five minutes. Like I didn't understand why he was so high in the credits, unless they went back and edited the credits to the film after he got famous. But it doesn't seem like that would happen. Is it, is it weird that he's both in this movie for more time and less time that I remember him being in this movie? <laughs> in what, in one part of my brain, I remember, I, I was thinking all you see is him come down a hallway and get killed. But then well, in another one, like whenever the movie started and he actually had spoken lines and was playing a person in the movie, I was like, oh shit, no, George Clooney was actually in this movie. And then no, he just gets killed immediately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was, he was largely irrelevant to this movie, I think is what we can say. Well, not necessarily. He's supposed to be the police officer in the movie and he gets killed. And that thus ensures that the actual police officer can just take over his role in the movie, thus keeping him on set. Which is funny on two levels, because one, they already have the principal and the janitor playing themselves. 
So having needing to write this convoluted reason to get the other cop to stay on scene and play himself is you could have just said we have three people already playing themselves. Oh. That would have been easier. Um, secondly, I think it's I don't know if it's intentionally funny or if it's just a funny thing, but they have Clooney quit the movie and walk away. So now we, that's why the cop is going to stay. But then they have Clooney get killed off, which is now you, like it's like, well, he didn't need to be killed off for plot purposes. It serves no point whatsoever because nobody knows he's dead because they all thought he was leaving anyway. <laughs> but whatever. I mean, one more death is one more confirmed death when we only have about three confirmed deaths in this movie. <laughs> Once again, well, four, do, like, do we? <laughs> we might well we we've definitely I think I would say definitely Clooney died and I would say definitely the the killer died and the killer was two different people so yeah we're at three confirmed well but the killer didn't die because at, yeah. at the end of the movie he like pulls the javelin out and gets shot to death again by the cops but then we see the writer writing and we see someone limping up there and he goes oh dad Oh. So apparently he's a he's a Voorhees esque uh, Superman demon zombie. Well, he's not Voorhees esque because there's not going to be seven more of these. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, and as far as we know, he didn't manage to kill anybody. Jason Voorhees is very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> Credit where credits due. <laughs> that motherfucker. That but if you are on a cast list in a fucking Friday the Thirteenth movie, you are fucking dead. That'd be yeah. the dream to be killed by Voorhees in a movie, man. But anyways, yeah, there's not a lot to say about this movie. I think just like I say, no. for me, I, I enjoyed a little bit of the humor, but not enough of it that I would recommend watching this whole movie for it. Yeah, some like some of the gore effects were good. What's what was annoying about the movie? And this is what pissed me off the most was they had like a special effects guy in the movie because they're making a movie, and he is putting out gore effects his gore effects which we know to be fake in the context of the movie were really good but when the kills happen nothing as good as those is shown which is annoying as hell right? although like you're it's... although you're assuming that kills happened that's fair enough i still don't know what fuck happened to this movie <laughs> this movie makes me angry and confused well i i still think a couple of kills happened i think a few did just not as many as we were led to believe from the wraparound story. Which, by the way, your movie's only supposed to have a wraparound story if it's an anthology. I don't know why this movie has a wraparound story. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This movie's awful. I stick, I stick by that statement. I'm fine with you calling it awful. I'd like to hear you rant more about why you think it's awful. Cause... It's just none of it makes any goddamn sense. Like, the plot is hard to follow. The as you said, the kills aren't really all that great, um, and yeah, it just makes no goddamn sense. Like, who the fuck's the killer? Is he the killer? Did he kill anybody? Is it he, he even a killer? And I think we're all in agreement that yeah, he was wearing blackface the entire movie, and that's that's kind of terrible. Not the entire movie. He was playing both characters: the white guy and the black guy. And in retrospect, it, the real racist part of the whole thing is where he he starts talking about how big his dick is and how he's going to parlay his movie into getting to do porn. 
because that's like a stereotype, uh, right? And now that we know that it was a white guy saying those things about a black guy's dick, that's technically racist. You said porn. I believe the actual phrase is pussy films. Yes, but the he says pussy films, but <laughs> the nerdy the nerdy white guy in the movie goes, "Do you mean porn?" And he goes, "Yeah." So. <laughs> So as the nerdy white guy doing the commentary on the film, I will say porn. <laughs> those are the words we choose to use. Oh, uh, this fucking movie. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I love slashers, and I love slashers that a lot of people don't. This is definitely not one of them for me. Yeah, this is not this is not one I would recommend unless you've like literally seen everything else and you're just a, more of a completionist. Yeah, I was going to say, in a film that has good kills, I have a hard time not recommending it. You know what I mean? Because normally I'd be like, just watch it for the kills. It'll be fine. But this one, no. Confused and angry. It doesn't really have It's all it will do for you. So just fucking skip it. You don't need to see this one. Even though you're bad-mouthing the movie, I don't think you're bad-mouthing it enough. So I have to push back a little bit and say... (laughs) um, what are these good kills you're referencing? What was the good kill? I don't know. I kind of liked the fan one. It was okay, but we didn't get to see any cool blood and guts. We just saw a fan going at a guy, and that's one of the people I think really died. Maybe. And there was that I don't know. Like one. I said, I don't know. Maybe, 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 the hammer went maybe, maybe I'm misremembering things. Maybe this movie confused me so much I made up an entire another movie. <laughs> that's awesome. This movie don't just watch, fully broke you. I was get yeah. Don't watch this movie. It's a bad movie, and not bad in the good bad way. Bad in the bad bad way. Look, if Noah's telling you that a movie is bad, it's got to say something. Yeah, it is. It is the most incompetently written and edited movie I think I've ever seen in my life. Oh come on! I I can't think of another. One. I cannot think of another movie with a more difficult to follow sequence of events. I, I think what you just did is create a challenge for our listeners. Can someone please email in another time on the podcast where we've had another movie where we had more trouble understanding it? Because I, <laughs> I feel like it's happened. Wait, wait. I take it back. Second worst. Weed Wolf. Weed Wolf was number one. What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> Weed Wolf? Weed Wolf. Yep, that's a movie. Uh, it's a thing. It's all, it's on fucking film. They did that. Well, I don't know if it's on film. It was recorded into a camera and then edited is, probably on a computer. It is in media of some kind. <laughs> so fuck, fuck those guys, too. <laughs> it's a really horrible movie that was submitted to our film festival that we then didn't put in our film festival, but thrust upon people at one of our monthly double features that we intentionally show bad movies and even for a group that's like, Oh, they show they intentionally show bad movies. This is going to be fun. Even they were like, Oh my God, fuck you guys. Yeah, fuck, them, fuck them for making this. <laughs> there was, there was a thing in that movie where they would make a racist joke and then it would show a black guy laughing and, and smiling, enjoying the racist joke because that justifies it and they did that over and over and over and over the funny thing is i've never actually seen weed wolf you bastard (laughs) (laughs) 
You did that to us blind. <laughs> I did. I you did. didn't even know what you were doing. I think Dave is the one who watched it, and he's like, we should show this. And I was like, all right. And then everybody's like, what the fuck, man? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't pick it, so I don't care. I mean, I feel like that is like reaching into the cupboard, and there's a tin can that the label has come off of. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like, I'm making chili. Whatever's in here is probably okay. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I saw Weed Wolf in the Wild? What? So me, me and Wes were down in New Orleans, and we found like this, uh, uh, like media store. They had tons of CDs and DVDs and stuff. They had a bunch of really obscure stuff. So we were in there looking through the horror section, and sure enough, there's Weed Wolf. And I was like, "Holy shit! Like it's in an actual store for someone to buy." So you too can find Weed Wolf if you look hard enough. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Yeah, so Noah, why don't you tell us, the killer tomatoes. tell us some more about Killer Tomatoes. Take the Killer Tomatoes. So uh, I won't say that much more about the first Attack of the Killer Tomatoes movie. Uh, the the most interesting thing about it is the helicopter crash, <laughs> which which when you watch it shot, if you didn't know it was an accident, you'd be like, holy shit, that's a really big stunt for this movie. Because <laughs> basically what happened is it's a, it's one of those little two-seater helicopters, and whenever it was landing, the tail end dipped, and the rear rotor hits the ground, and it snaps off the rear rotor, which causes the plane to spin out of control and crash into the ground, and, like, some of the blades, like, fly at the camera. And, uh, yeah, so that was all real. <laughs> those blades just almost hit the camera guy. Luckily, they didn't uh, – uh, uh, why is my brain not working? Vince Morrow, anybody? You know what I mean? Vic Morrow. I was going to yeah. say, it's, it's a good thing uh, John Landis wasn't directing this movie. Right. Helicopters. Helicopters in movies, just I think they don't mix. <laughs> maybe maybe just not do that. We got CGI now. Just CGI in your helicopter and you'll be good. I feel uh, like your guests are coming down on helicopters a little too harshly. <laughs> lots of movies with helicopters in them where nobody gets hurt. Yeah, but there seems to be a lot where people did get hurt and, and or destroyed a $60,000 rental helicopter. Just delightful. Uh, so anyways, the first one, I recommend checking it out, but just remember, it's a movie made for $100,000 that $60,000 was replacing the helicopter that crashed. <laughs> Uh, so skipping over Return, obviously, because we talked about it, is uh, Killer Tomato Strike Back, uh, which goes a little deeper into the parody aspect. There's a lot more references to other movies and stuff. Uh, it's funny. It's got uh, John Witherspoon in it. Do you guys know who that is? Uh, probably, but I probably don't know his name. Uh, do you remember the... Uh, dad with the aerosol can taking a shit in the movie Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, I, that's, that's John I do, Witherspoon. I do know that guy. Yeah. 
he he plays one of the cops in the precinct. This one is about a detective and a tomatologist teaming up to solve a series of tomato related attacks. Because once again, this movie exists in the tomato verse where all these previous tomato attacks have happened. And there's this great joke where even though killer tomatoes obviously exist, it's like 50% of the population still refuse to believe that there's such a thing as killer tomatoes killing people because it's oh. so dumb. I remember back when stuff like that used to be a joke. Yeah. You're like, right. well, that obviously is fiction. Right. But it's like I said, it's it's really funny. It's very 90s, though. So buckle up for that. 90s straight to video. But with the same same sense of humor, the like I said, John Aston's still in it. In that one, he is playing uh, Geronahue, <laughs> in which Dr. <laughs> Dr. Gangrene has taken uh, a false identity as a daytime TV show host a la Donahue oh, and Geraldo. And he's Jeez. using daytime TV to brainwash people. Sure. You, why say, not? you say Jesus, but it's really fucking funny. I, I, I would just reiterate, uh, using daytime TV to brainwash people. I remember when that used to be a joke too. <laughs> right. This movie sounds like it was predictive of the future more so than fun. But yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause so, uh, samurai sword wielding, uh, parachute guy is in it again. Uh, this time though, he has like no bearing on the plot. Cat, I'm gonna fucking drop kick you. Get. Cat <laughs> keeps bumping into the microphone stand. Uh, and at the very end of the movie, he's stuck in a tree, like after the credits roll, and he's like, "What? Am I too late?" <laughs> Which is pretty fucking funny. Uh, yeah, so it's it's good. It's funny. It's weird. Uh, it it does take cues from the cartoon series in which now the tomatoes have like faces and mouths so they're more like little tomato puppets attacking people uh, like speaking that. of which i watched i watched about five episodes of the cartoon series from season one and then about four from season two just because i i was reading something and it reminded me that there was this crazy shift so season one of the cartoon is a lot like every Saturday morning cartoon. It's got pretty good animation. It's like, uh, you know, the evil doctor has his plot of the week and they're, they're beating it. It's, it's like fucking captain planet or teenage mutant Ninja turtles. You know, it's sure. Any, any of those shows, uh, a lot more tomatoes apparently. Yeah. Except it's more tomato based humor and endless references to the movies, which is funny because you'd have to be both the age that you're watching Saturday morning cartoons and and the age that your parents allowed you to watch these weird fucking pseudo horror comedy movies. Well, allow me to point out that people who were teenagers when they were watching the original movies would likely be stoners in their 20s and 30s when the cartoon was on. Truth. Also, it was the 80s, so some people who were still watching morning cartoons, their parents would just drive up to the video store, send them in with a note that says my kid can rent whatever he wants. <laughs> Those kids would watch the killer tomatoes. Uh, so. My parents didn't have to write me a note because uh, our local video store just had like a registry, so they registered my ability to rent whatever I wanted. Oh, see, mine didn't even like do that. We had a gas station right down the street that rented movies, and they knew my dad. Not that he even said anything, but 
They're like, yeah, you're 12. I guess if you want to rent Basic Instinct, you can. <laughs> uh, so it's, so the big thing is, like I said, so season one, your normal cartoon, it's, it's fairly well made and all that. Season two, they fired the entire animation staff, uh, got a new writer and all this kind of stuff. I have no idea why they made this drastic ass change. And it was, if I remember correctly, it was the first computer animated cartoon on Fox Saturday morning. Like it was their first attempt at it. And so the animation quality goes straight through the fucking toilet from season one. Like season one, good hand-drawn animation. Season two, fucking hot garbage. Uh, Season two, they also went from episode of the week to a continuing arc storyline through the entire season. That's not a good idea. Right. And I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's because that would have been 91. I don't know. Was, uh, was X-Men out by that point? I don't think so. I think maybe they were 94. Yeah, 91 Uh, seems early for X-Men, but I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll look it up. Keep talking. But I know I know there was a big shift in TV because uh, right around the same time as X-Men, a few different shows started doing that where they were like, you know what? Maybe kids actually can follow a continuing plot line. Ninety two. Yeah. So it's right. It's right around that mark. I can be I could be wrong. I wanted to say the season one was 90, but I could be wrong about that, too. Uh, so like I said, they completely changed it. The other thing they did is in season one, there's this, uh, I can't remember what was 1990. Yeah. There was, there's like six tomatoes that act as comic relief that are like the little henchman group of tomatoes. And in season two, because they wanted to sell toys and stuff in little normal looking tomatoes wouldn't do good for toys. Instead, uh, gangrene puts them in a mutation chamber, and so they all instead become themed tomatoes. Of course. So, so you've got Zoltan, who was the like leader, and then there's like Fang Mato, who is a snake tomato, and Mamato, a mummy tomato, and Ketchup, the big one. Who just swishes people? There's like five of them. I can't remember all their names. Uh, yeah. So it's worth once again. The, the really like the cartoon season two. The animation goes to balls and shit, but it's probably still worth watching because it's only eight episodes and the story's actually kind of funny. Uh, the cartoon. The other thing they do is so as much as the movies are self-aware that they're movies, the cartoons are self-aware that it is a cartoon and they they constantly make jokes about, well, maybe we should just end the episode here and then we don't have to worry about it. And the episode just ends shit, shit like that. Toxic Crusaders was also 1991. Yeah. What the fuck I was up? You, I, what the fuck I was going you, on? Right, right around the same and, and right around the same time was like uh, Tales from the Crypt and uh, what were the other ones? Because because if I remember right, Fox had like a monster themed Saturday morning lineup for a little while. See, if that had come out when I was just a little bit younger, I would have loved having that. Right. So which which leads us into the worst film in the franchise, which at the same time might be the best film in the fucking franchise, which is Killer Tomatoes Eat France. So Killer Tomatoes Eat France is is actually a sequel to season two of the cartoon. Jesus. 
Because not only do you have uh, John Aston returning as Gangrene and Igor and all that kind of stuff, but now you have the mutant tomatoes from the cartoon are now in the movie, and you get to see a little puppet of uh, Zoltan and, and Fang Mado and all that. Uh, the best part of the so obviously, uh, Killer Tomatoes Eat France is about Killer Tomatoes attacking France. I don't. I don't know if you might. <laughs> I figured that gleam gleam that from the title, but it's a little more complicated. Where <laughs> there's some kind of a weird uh, thing where <laughs> France has a like an almost an Arthurian style legend about a king returning to rule France because they they're all upset after the revolution that they don't have a king because they don't have any like <laughs> royals to have scandals and all that kind of stuff. It's it's quite silly. But the best thing is the star of the movie is Mark Price. Do you guys know who Mark Price is? Uh, what's he from? Uh, he was from Family Ties. He was Skippy. Oh, okay. Skippy. Oh, okay. Okay. So he plays himself in the movie. So so he is Mark Price in the because, movie. Because he was so well known that he's just like, well, I can just play myself. It's fine. Well, but. He's Mark Price pretending to be Michael J. Fox. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Which is the fucking funniest thing in the whole movie. So at the very beginning of the movie, he makes a joke about it. He's like, fucking Michael J. Fox is off being a movie star, and I'm making a fucking Killer Tomatoes movie. <laughs> this is bullshit. And then he bumps into a French woman, and she's like, you look familiar. Do I know you? And he's like, yeah, I'm a big movie star in the United States. She's like... Oh, yeah? Who are you? And he's like, uh, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> so the rest of the movie, his name is Michael. <laughs> I think you're trying to talk Doug into watching these. That's, I didn't know Skippy Hamilton was going to come up. <laughs> that's tempting to me. There's not very many people in the world for whom that's a selling point. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's so goddamn ridiculous. The, the entire idea of it is so goddamn ridiculous that I was like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Because whenever the movie first started, I was like, wow, the production quality is really low, even for like a fourth sequel to, to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And then those jokes started happening. And I was like, nope, still funny as fuck. <laughs> I'm in. I fucking I love these movies. They're ridiculous. And in this one, the the whole thing is in addition to the Arthurian legend of the king returning, which they're trying to force the the legend to come true so that they can place Igor as king of France. Which is, once again, it's so fucking dumb. They're, they're also trying to catch uh, FT, Fuzzy Tomato, to extract the mutant gene that was referenced in... Return of the Killer Tomatoes that created him in the first place in order to make a new type of super tomato, which turns out to be the uh, fan tomato of the opera, which is a reference from the cartoon. Again, watch, watch them, watch them all. God damn it. They're so fucking, I don't know. Maybe it's just my sense of humor. If you have my sense of humor, they're so goddamn funny. Yeah, but nobody else does, just so we're clear. There has to be uh, there has to be other people that find this fucking as delightful and funny as I do. There are definitely other people who enjoy them. As much as you do, I'm not sure. Uh, 
And then besides that, I actually watched one more. The uh, Winchester on Netflix, which uh, is the haunted the, house. Yeah, which is the haunted house Winchester yeah. ghost story thing. Yeah, I've seen it. It's all right. That's about what I thought. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like eh. I can't, I can't decide if they were trying too hard or if they didn't try hard enough. It's, it's one or the other. I, I, I feel like there were a couple moments where they were like, yeah, this is going to scare the shit out of people. And it's like, no, that's pretty weak. It's pretty weak sauce. You guys aren't very good. <laughs> Creepy little kid just about committing suicide. Yeah, okay. I, I dig it. Like, that was intense. But But a lot of the ghost scares and stuff, you're like, oh, fuck off. Fuck off with your bullshit. Right. It's so fucking dumb. And and I, I hate that people try to make that story into more than it is. That story is crazy old lady <laughs> built crazy house. <laughs> End of story. Didn't I just read recently they just discovered an unknown room in the Winchester house? I think I've read before that they think there might be lots of them. That due to the yeah. dimensions of the house and stuff and the layout of the rooms, it's actually kind of hard yeah. to to say. But there there do seem to be voids and stuff. Interesting. So yeah, uh, if you like, if you're super into like ghost stories, then then go ahead and watch it. That's why I watched it. Shar wanted to watch it. She likes ghost horror movies. So, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you watch anything, Doug? <laughs> Uh, yeah, a few things. Um, let's see. Uh, this is a rewatch for me, but I watched uh, Bloody Birthday from 1981. Have you guys seen that one? Kill yeah. the Kids? I have not. Okay. Um, it, it's like a slasher in the truest sense of the word. There's literally like a... The plot is that these, uh, these three kids are born during like an eclipse or whatever. So now they're going to be evil. And it's literally like... The first scene of the movie is a hospital. There's an eclipse. Three babies are being born at once, and the doctor is mildly overwhelmed. Cut to the next scene of the movie is like a couple making out in a graveyard and getting murdered by children. <laughs> and most of the rest of the movie is just people getting murdered by children, which is pretty awesome. I really enjoy it. I think the uh, the kids do a good job of playing evil little kids. The kills are fun. There's one where... <laughs> Here you go, Brian. This will tell you what kind of movie it is, and you can decide whether you ever want to watch it again. No. The, uh, so the little girl of the trio has a hole in her closet so that she can see into her sister's room so that she can charge the neighborhood boys a quarter to watch her sister undress. Yeah, that's fucked up. So she decides it's time to kill the sister. So she takes her bow and arrow, goes into her closet starts banging to get the sister's attention and when the sister leans in to look through the hole fires the arrow right through the hole into the sister's eyeball yeah that will do it yeah so needless to say I love this movie This is you know how I am with 80s slashers um, and there's really not much more to the movie other than just the kids killing people occasionally somebody accuses the kids of doing something wrong so they have to like you know torture them in some way rather than just kill them. It's so 80s that it literally has a scene of a kid playing in a, in a junkyard and getting locked inside one of those old-timey refrigerators that lock from the outside. Pucky <laughs> Brewster like, warned us! I was watching it happen and I'm like, oh shit, 
Like, was this meant to be scary, or were they making fun of Punky Brewster? I don't know what they were doing here. <laughs> 81, so probably before Punky Brewster did yeah. it. I don't know. That's when, it, yeah, it was just like, by the way, kids, there's a chance you could just trip and fall into a refrigerator, and you'll be dead. <laughs> Mike, Mike Tracy, the the little girl's Julie Brown, right? Which Julie Brown? Wubba 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 Julie Brown or? Uh, crazy redhead Julie Brown. Oh. She's blonde in the movie, but that doesn't mean anything about her later in life. Let me see, Let me see if I'm right about that, because I was thinking that's her as a little kid. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, you are correct, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. It's also got that going for it. <laughs> She's got... There's a I, the only reason why I'm so familiar with her is because she was in a bunch of like random movies where she's got that weird crazy hot thing going on. Earth Girls are easy. Yeah, that's that's basically where I kind of got knew her from, and she was on a uh, sketch TV show back in the day on Fox called The Edge. The Jennifer Aniston was on before Friends. I believe you. Sounds plausible. Yeah, I just remember watching this show. I'm like, oh, this show's kind of funny. And then, like, did she was on like Designing Women, right? I don't know, probably. And then the show ended, and then Jennifer Aniston showed up on Friends, and I was like, I know her. Continue. Anyways, yeah, everybody should watch Bloody Birthday, and everybody should try to find the VHS cover art for it, which is a it's a birthday cake with fingers sticking out of it and the fingers are the candles so they're lit on fire and it's awesome holy shit so all, all these cast members on that show The Edge so, <laughs> so Jennifer Aniston Julie Brown like I mentioned Tom Kenny Wayne Knight uh, Alan Ruck and Paul Feig were just some of them what yeah it's pretty impressive interesting alright did you watch anything else yeah. How about, uh, what a movie called The Undertaker? Uh, it's about Joe Spinell playing a murderous undertaker. Well, that seems like good casting. Yeah. It's, it's like from the later 80s. So it's like kind of getting a little older, has put on a little weight, Joe Spinell. Mm-hmm. But it's still Joe Spinell as a murderous undertaker, which is, it's, it's the entire plot description of the movie is that. Um, so I loved it because it's Joe Spinell playing a murderous undertaker. I keep feeling the need to repeat that because it's <laughs> it's everything about this movie. The movie has nothing else going for it. There's no like, I mean, OK, sure. There's a scene where he crucifies one of the victims in some sort of satanic ritual. But to answer your follow-up question, no, that doesn't have anything to do with the plot of the rest of the movie. It's just there because it looks cool. Because why not? Uh, yeah, I mean, just for the sake of it, I'll uh, I'll answer the question I know is already in your head. And yeah, he has sex with some of the corpses. Of course he does. That's what the kind of movie this is. It's Joe Spinell playing a murderous undertaker. <laughs> you know, the driving plot point is that uh, his nephew figures out he's a murderous undertaker and asks him not to be. He doesn't agree with that nephew. So we get Joseph and I'll kill on that guy. Um, the, and the performance is amazing. Like, that's, I mean, that's, he's just, I'm not even sure if it is acting or if that's just who he is as a person. <laughs> but the because, camera just followed him around that day. Yeah. But either way, I'm like, 
I was, uh, you know, you, you see something like that. I stumbled across it on Tubi, and I'm just like, is this going to be really disappointing, or is it going to be exactly what it promises to be? And it's exactly what it promises to be. <laughs> so there you go. <sighs> um, I don't know. Yeah, there's not much to say. Are you just posting random pictures from The Edge? Yeah. Well, the one was funny because you're like, was it Julie Brown on Designing Women? And I don't think she was, but she was in a parody of Designing Women on that TV show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Aha! <laughs> so weirdly, you've seen it. You just didn't know. Yeah, that's funny. Right, you just realized that this, this show is probably the most scatterbrained and off topic <laughs> we've been in a long time, right? Nah. We've been way worse. Last week, my contribution says you. I've been balls deep in the tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Never mind. <laughs> so, what else did you watch? Did you guys ever hear of a movie called uh, "The Horrible House on the Hill," no. which is also known as uh, "Double Times Five? Oh yeah. Okay. I know by that title. I don't know the the other title. All right. Well, I've never it, seen it, but yeah, it goes by two titles, which is important. Uh, it's one of the actors in it is played by Boss Hogg, which is pretty cool. Oh, uh, Boss basically, Hogg. Basically, the plot of the is a bus crash full of kids from uh, a psycho ward, and uh, they kids escape and they make their way to like a ski resort or whatever, where there's like a bunch of people hold up. Mm-hmm. People naturally take them in, thinking they're innocent children but they are acting very strange and weird and you're sitting there going, okay, they're acting strange and weird, but not a lot is happening here. And then the last 20 minutes of the film is just them killing the shit out of people. And a lot of me standing up in my basement and clapping at my TV when they do things like, like sneak into a bath while somebody's taking a bath and throw piranha fish in the tub with them, things like that. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a 70s movie before they figured out the slasher formula and spread the kills out, so they all kind of happen at the end. But the kills are super fun, um, and that's really what matters, like an hour 20. So it it's not like when I sit there and go like, oh, yeah, it's kind of drawn out the first half. It's like, yeah, the first hour of the film, is there's not that much going on, but it's only an hour. So, and we do get to watch these kids, um, like literally hiking through the woods and stuff. Uh, the bad part of this movie is everything that doesn't involve the murderous children. The adults are just there to make you want them to get murdered. Um, so, but yeah, did I mention piranhas getting tossed into a bathtub with a woman? <laughs> There's literally a scene like earlier on in the movie where they're like introducing the piranhas and like, oh. What are they going to do? Are they going to stick somebody's head into the prana tank? Like, I know those pranas are getting used to kill somebody because otherwise they wouldn't be here. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, no, that's even better. They're just going to pour the prana into the into the tub. <laughs> that's a great idea. So, yeah, so, again, just delivers what it promises. Killer kids. <laughs> so I guess that was technically a little mini theme of my watching this week because uh, – the other thing I watched was a rewatch, but one I hadn't watched in a long time was a Sleepaway Camp. You guys watched that one recently? Sleepaway Camp? Yeah. 
Yeah, within the past like ten years or so, sure. Yeah, I gotta say, like I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, pretty happy with how good a movie that is. You can't like everybody when you talk about it. People always talk about the ending, right? For yeah. obvious reasons, right? Uh, it's yeah, but you know, most of the movie is it's pretty typical cheesy 80s slasher stuff which means you're just are the kills good or aren't they and they're great like the bucket of boiling water gets dumped on a dude and we get to see him all like fucked up from it and he he lives so we actually get to see him carried away like still screaming in pain and you could say who totally deserves it so oh yeah well by slasher rules, everybody who gets it in this movie deserves it. Because mm-hmm. it's literally the movie is all about this person just killing anyone who picks on her. Or him, or whatever the word is for it. Sure. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the one guy's like being mean. So when he goes to take a dump, she throws like a beehive into the stall with him while he's taking a dump. <laughs> and he gets stabbed to death by bees, which is pretty cool. Stabbed to death by bees. I've never heard it described that way, but that's pretty fantastic. Well, I think okay. stung. Stung is the word you're looking for. But I, I don't. I like stabbed by is. bees. I don't think stung is the word I'm looking for, because you know how many bee stings it would take to kill a person unless they were actually allergic to bees. Like it way took- more. Way more. I bet Macaulay Culkin could tell you. I was, I was getting ready to say it took quite a few to take down Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I feel like he was allergic to bees in that movie, wasn't he? Yeah, but it's still funny. <laughs> I just I'm like just making jokes about that movie because people get so upset. <laughs> I bet Macaulay Culkin would make jokes about it. Oh, he would for sure. Um. I guess keep derailing everything I try to Sorry. say. Anyway, Sleep, Sleepaway Camp. I really liked it. Uh, yeah, it was, I really enjoy Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, like I, I, I think I just maybe forgot how good of a movie it is leading up to that ending. And the ending <laughs> is, I think, genuinely surprising if you don't know what's coming. Like I think the movie's made in a way where you wouldn't at all be able to piece that together. Yeah. Um, Brian enjoys Sleepaway Camp so much that back in the day of DZ... We put together this idea to do a retrospective of all of the Sleepaway Camp movies. And uh, then Brian and 90% of the other people did not watch the movies and show up. So it ended up just being me and El Gordo <laughs> talking about Sleepaway Camp for three and a half hours. Is that what happened? Yep. Hmm. I remember something about Sleepaway Camp, but I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Well, fun fun fact, I was going to watch the Sleepaway Camp sequels because I've never seen any of them. Oh, really? I think I saw a few minutes of it like, because there was like the fourth one that came out, I think, it's that was just very heavily well, banned and I watched minutes of it. There, there's weirdly like, yes. there's weirdly two part fours. Okay. Okay, so I really like the original Sleepaway Camp. I think I'm one of the few people that like the first one more than the sequels. Other people seem to enjoy the sequels more. I think the first one is more of like a straight up slasher. Yeah. And the sequels turn into more of like a campy slasher. Right. And the character of Angela turns 
way campier. Um, and then they try, I don't know. They, I feel like they thought they were going back to the sort of the original idea for the fourth one, for the fourth one that actually came out. But it still is not really campy or good. So that's a problem. So they were making a fourth one when they ran out of money and just stopped. But if you bought like the old box set that has like the looks like a first aid kit, mm-hmm. they have a DVD of just a lot of the raw footage they shot for four that they never did anything with. So there is one in there called Sleepaway Camp 4, The Survivor. But it technically doesn't count because they never finished okay. it. And then they made Return to Sleepaway Camp, which was not good. Yeah. So I, I think I saw, like, part of Return to Sleepaway Camp once. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, this isn't really it, though. I should watch the other ones. And I did try this week, but I went on Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime pisses me off because you search for movies, and it says, yeah, that movie's on here. But then when you click on it, that's when you find out that you have to subscribe to a add-on service to get it. Yeah, that's bullshit. That pisses me off. Like, I don't mind the add-on services. I mind that when you do the search, it doesn't identify the movie as requiring an add-on service. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. I gave up on that dream of watching Superboy Camp 2 and 3. There's no way to achieve it now, and I'll never try again. <laughs> I, can, I can do it whenever I want because I got that sweet, sweet box set. So do yeah. I. Well, why would I buy the box set? I didn't know if I liked the other movies or not. And now I, there's, again, no way to find out the uh, particular well, home. I, mean, I have my box set because I got it for $5 at a used movie store. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if it's up in Canada, but it says down here in the States it's on Tubi. Have you checked it's on not, Tubi? No. It's not on Tubi here. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. When I, I should. Yeah, the full story of me trying to watch Sleepaway Camp 2 is I went to Just Watch, and it told me it was on Tubi. So I loaded up Tubi and searched for it, and it's not there. So then I'm like, well, if Just Watch is wrong, then I might as well check my other streaming services. And when I checked Prime, it said, oh, it's there. So I was, like, all excited. Hmm. I hit play and or hit the button to get to it, and it's like, yeah, fine. Just subscribe to this other channel, and you can watch it. And I was like, no, fuck you. So well, that's funny. So I tried twice. That's yeah. that's a lot. Well, here in the states, it is on Prime. I'm looking at it right now. So huh? just to, just to rub it in your face. Yeah. Well, it's fine. I'm over it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I would say they're they're fun. They're worth a watch. I just feel like you're getting a campier version. Uh, pun. Well, intended. yeah. I, I definitely could tell just from trailers and stuff, and from the VHS box art that they obviously are meant to be amping up the comedy, which is kind of typical for how slashers were going at the time when these came out. Also, the first one came out. I don't know if you know this. Angela in parts three and four is played by Bruce Springsteen's sister, oh. Pamela Springsteen. I think I knew that at one point. Now that you're saying yeah. it, I just had forgotten it. Now you know it again. I'll forget it again. It's just it's just so, weird watching it, being like, your brother is Bruce Springsteen. What the fuck are you doing in this movie? Oh well. That's a bummer. You need to find a way to watch the other ones. Well, I'm not I'm not trying anymore. I already tried. I tried two Gave times. Yeah, <laughs> two it. times, that's enough. That's come on, man. Do you know how long it took me? I've owned this two pack of movies with Return to Horror High and Return to the Killer Tomatoes on it. 
for like probably close to 15 years. <laughs> I just, I, I made us watch it this week just so that I could finally get that watched and just move it to a slightly different pile in my room full of DVDs. I think I'm going to go back searching for Sleepaway Camp 2 again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you tried at least. I did my best, yeah. Or I did my half-assed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much what I've watched of last week. Hmm. I watched the the Rocketeer and Flight of the Navigator for no particular reason, apparently. So yeah. So what did you think of those on rewatch? <laughs> um, Flight of the Navigator, I thought held up really well. Um, it's, it suffers from kid movie logic in a lot of ways, but it's a kids movie, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought a lot of the humor and stuff worked really well. I was super impressed by the special effects. I think you guys mentioned that when you recorded mm-hmm. the show last week. Um, yeah, but I, I liked the little monster guys were all cute. And the sarcastic robot was funny. The only thing about the sarcastic robot was it was being Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. But it was... So in the movie came out in whatever, 86... So I assume Pee Wee Herman's TV show was on in 86. Yeah. Okay. So obviously that's the joke, right? Look, the thing is talking like Pee Wee Herman because it's seen the TV show. But it all its knowledge of pop culture came from the kid. The kid disappeared in 78. So it wouldn't have known who Pee Wee Herman was and it shouldn't have been able to do a Pee Wee Herman impression. Oh... So there's a, a flaw in the logic of this movie about the time traveling, yeah. you know, alien spaceship thing. Um, what the fuck, Flight of the Navigator? So it's, ruined forever. Yeah, it, it was just it was bugging me. I'm like, it got that information from the kid's head, but the kid wouldn't know about. It. Anyways, um, that's pretty nitpicky for a kids' movie from 1986. Like I say, most of the jokes were funny. In, incorrect. First appearance of Pee Wee Herman, 1977. In what? That's when Paul Rubens was still doing, uh, like, sketch comedy stuff. And apparently that's where Pee Wee Herman's from. So, our, okay, so the movie, the, it, there's, it's still a logical flaw to assume that 12-year-old in 1978 had seen Paul Rubens do sketch comedy. So... Because <laughs> apparently that's I'm sure the film producers were thinking, yeah, that kid probably saw Paul Rubens do his stand-up comedy, and that's why they could. <laughs> I, well, because didn't see, I was thinking, didn't Paul Rubens do like stage shows as Pee Wee Herman before the kids show? Yeah, but it was like early '80s. Like this was '86. I want to say the stage show was like 82, 83. I feel like that, that Pee Wee Herman train like took off like, like a rocket. Like as soon as it hit, it hit big. And then it was all over by like 1891. The Pee Wee's Big Adventure was 85. Oh, that explains why the voice is in this movie. <laughs> so it was yeah, like a year Pee Wee Herman was the tops and tops of the box office when they were trying to decide what voice to give this robot. That's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> It's fine, by the way, just so we're clear. I don't. I, I, it did not affect my enjoyment of the film. I, I had a blast watching it. No, no, totally. I'm just like, yeah, Pee Wee Herman show was when they broadcast the stage show as like a stand up special on HBO. That was in 1981. So, yeah, I don't know. 
Well, I suppose, though, the kid was also put in his cell, and all he had to do in there was watch TV. Oh, that's a good point. Not sure. Maybe. He's probably probably sitting there spending most of his time trying to think of ways to flirt with you at the Sex in the City there, whatever her name is. (laughs) Yeah. Also, just sitting in there having uh, having embarrassing boners with that mirror in his room, and he's like, fuck, can't get away from these people. (laughs) <laughs> that was my other like really nitpicky flaw of that movie is like she's acting like she's all cute and stuff but she's kind of not and I was like <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't buy it I'm just like she's Bird, a good actress it's weird because she's a good actress so she's like I can tell she's trying to act all cute and stuff but I'm like you can't, can't do anything about the fact that you're not it's not even your fault really <laughs> I don't you know showed, why I'm randomly attacking her. You showed her with all of her sex of the city money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So, anyways, it held up really well. Uh, what would you uh, think of the Rocketeer? Uh, I didn't love it as much as you guys do. I did. Mm. I did. Uh, I didn't hate it or anything. Um, it felt to me like maybe it was one of those. Uh, one of those scenarios where you had a director who was hired because of his work with like honey i shrunk the kids they're like yeah do that kid movie thing that you're good at but he clearly already wanted to make captain america the first avenger and so what you ended up with was a movie that had sort of like too complicated of a plot for a kid's movie but then like too much like childish humor and kid logic for an adult movie so I thought that was like mildly like it, it didn't it felt like a little uneven as the film went along but uh, overall I still liked it quite a bit I agree with Noah with what Noah said in our group chat before we watched the movie he's like is that guy just supposed to be Brendan Fraser and I'm like yeah that's just obvious <laughs> it's supposed to be Brendan Fraser in the lead role I don't know why it's not him but uh, <laughs> you know that's fine yeah, you know, I liked uh, him. I liked. I, I didn't mind him. I should say. I didn't say I liked him. But I liked the uh, the old guy. That's his like mentor. It was fun. The villains were all okay. I don't know that they needed like the actor, who's like turns out to be a Nazi who hires the mm-hmm. mafia. I don't know that. that you know, like, I'm not sure any of that was really necessary. Like, you could have just. Like, like the mobsters could have just been the bad guys. I guess. Again, if you're making a kid movie, don't make it so complicated. If you're making an adult movie, then scale back some of the kid-based humor and kid-based logic that's in it. But overall, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought like most of the action stuff worked. I thought the plane work, the planes like flying around, looked really good for a movie of that era. But it was like harder to tweak it, and they didn't necessarily have the budgets that they have today. Well, so yeah pretty happy with it uh let's see i watched a bunch of stuff but it's kind of going to be a quick lightning round because it's actually stuff we've covered on the show before uh so a friend of mine came over we haven't seen each other since march so he's all like hey you want to hang out and watch some movies and i was like fuck yeah so i picked i picked a big stack of dvds from my collection figured he might like it 
And he's in his uh, mid-twenties, so I'm trying to, like, educate him on some stuff. Mm-hmm. Because he really likes, like, B-horror movies and stuff. But then I'll be like, hey, don't you love Army of Darkness? And he's like, I've never seen it. And I'm like, how the fuck do you like B-movies if you've never seen Army of Darkness? God damn it. Yeah, that's a problem. <sighs> yeah. So I picked out a bunch of stuff. Uh, the first thing we watched was Darkman. Which he had not okay. seen before. Uh, and, you know, he really enjoyed it. He never even heard of it. So, like, we watched the trailer beforehand. He's like, is this like a superhero movie? I'm like, it sure fucking is. And then we watched it and <laughs> he thoroughly enjoyed it. I like it. how excited you got while you were telling us the story about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then he was like, yeah, you know, it's always good to watch an action flick. And then I, all the rest of the stuff I had was like horror movie stuff. So... I was like, all right, well, maybe we can watch some more action movies. Like, I don't know. I could always watch Commando. And he's like, I've never seen Commando. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? In my head, if this was a cartoon, you would have grabbed him by the collar and just been slapping him back and forth across the face for saying that. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so I was like, well, we're immediately watching Commando, just so you know. And we yeah. watched it, and he kept saying, this movie has everything. And I'm like, yes, you're correct. And it's <laughs> it's the best. Just, just Commando is just best. like every every other 80s action movie is just trying to be Commando. That's just what yeah. they're all like. Oh, how do you mix the humor with the action with that? And it's like, you can't. Just give up, man. There's only one Commando. <laughs> Fuck, I love that movie. Yeah. So we watched that, and he absolutely loved it. I was like, well, what else? And I'm just like, well, I mean, I'm sure you've seen The Running Man. And he's like, no, I've never seen The Running Man. I'm like, God damn it, dude. So I was like, well, now we're fucking watching The Running Man. So we turned that on. Uh, He loved that one. I was like, well, I mean, I guess we're watching Schwarzenegger movies now. So uh, I don't know. I mean, since we just watched two, like, two of his big action movies... I mean, have you seen Last Action Hero? And he's like, no. And I'm like, all right, dude, come on. So I turn on Last Action Hero (laughs) as a way to kind of sum up everything. Be like, this will be the last movie of the evening. We'll sum up all the Schwarzenegger movies we just watched by watching Last Action Hero. Uh, And he he loved that one, too. So I'm just like, like, Jesus, dude. I love that you're mentoring this kid and how to be a better geek. <laughs> right? It's like you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> don't even fucking know what Commando is. How, how does he, you? How does he... I don't understand how he can say he's a fan of B-movies if he's not seen, like, Commando and Darkman. Like, what does he watch? Like, sci-fi originals? I don't know. Maybe. Like, I just... I'm, I'm just baffled. <laughs> so. Fucking kids these days, man. Right? <laughs> So I'm just like, all right, well, I mean, at least he, he has a newfound appreciation for Commando, at least. So I basically told him before the movie started, I'm like, look, when you think of 80s action movie, even though you've never seen this movie, this is the exact movie you're thinking of. With that oh, yeah. Phrase. So, yeah. So we had kind of a Schwarzenegger run after after watching Darkman. Which I had to point out when the, I'm like, here comes the best line in the movie. And then it happens, you know, take the fucking elephant. <laughs> to which then we repeated for like the entire evening. 
Interesting. Sounds like a pretty good day. I wish I had a friend. <laughs> right? Uh, so I told him we have to do it again soon, and I'd have to come up with something. I don't know. I'm going to have to, like, take a poll before he comes over so I can get set, since my entire plans were thrown out the window as soon as he said he didn't know what Commando was. Oh, Jesus. Like, what else doesn't he know if he doesn't know Commando? Right? Uh, well, I want to ask you show this kid Star Wars. He might never have seen Star Wars <laughs> from the sounds of it. <laughs> fucking jaws uh, um all right and i guess the only other thing i watched we're talking about and it's gonna be hard to talk about it because it's a documentary but um i watched too funny to fail the life and death of the dana carvey show have either okay. one of you watched this i've heard of it i've no. watched it did any either of you watch the dana carvey show when it was out oh yeah wasn't wasn't on long enough to watch, was it? Didn't it get canceled uh, halfway through its second episode or something? No, eight episodes it ran. Yeah. So this is a documentary about the death of the Dana Carvey show, obviously. Um, and when they run down the cast, you're like, how is this? How did this show not work? But the documentary kind of sums it up. So, I mean, it was a sketch comedy show with Dana Carvey, fresh off SNL. And then it had Steve Carell... Stephen Colbert, um, uh, the in the writing room was Louis C.K. Yeah. and Robert Smigel. And it's insane. How does yeah. this not a huge hit? Right. Um, and then they, Dana Carvey kind of explains it that like, well, I mean, every, I was kind of America's sweetheart from, from SNL, and I felt kind of shackled by SNL and. I wanted to do a lot more just kind of weird stuff. And so he basically wanted to do like his version of a Monty Python show where it's like stuff doesn't have to make sense. Just fuck, we'll just fucking do it. And America was definitely not ready for that. Well, what year was that? Oh, I want to say like 93. Yeah. 94. That was not the time for that show. See. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, it's oh, it was ninety six. It was it was a couple of years off, but even still, people were not ready for it. That that whole mid nineties, it was just not an appropriate time for something like that. Everything yeah. that was popular, like you look go back and you look at stuff that came out of the nineties. You're you're talking about you know Friends and fucking Seinfeld and shit. Like it's mm -hmm. pretty straightforward stuff, right? Yeah. Like it's. It's not the obscure, like, give it a chance, watch a few episodes, and you'll start to like it kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and they talk that, uh, and they talk to, like, the ABC exec and stuff that greenlit it and, you know, was sort of, like, in charge of the show and everything. And basically, <laughs> he approached ABC with it, and they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. And tell you what, we'll push it right after Home Improvement which at the time was the number one show on television. <laughs> so they didn't so, know what they were doing. No, well, they probably just, execs don't know, right? So they're yeah. just like, it's fucking Danny Carvey. Yeah. Let him do whatever he wants. It'll be fine. And they're assuming that if he does whatever he wants, it'll resemble what he's done in the past. Mm. Not realizing that in the past, he was not allowed to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. And so the documentary is a lot of fun. And I mean, basically 
They kept saying, like, Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert keep talking that Dana Carvey would come in every week and apologize to them for ruining their career. And the first episode hadn't even aired yet. <laughs> but he kind of had an idea that ABC doesn't know what they're getting. Um, That's funny. Apparently one time, like, when they were, you know, they were getting up close to the premiere, Dana Carvey came in with, like, a People magazine and threw it on the table. And in it was, like, the photo spread for ABC of, like, what their new shows were going to be. And it's, like, a picture of him, like, doing a little pointing, like, hey, I'm Dana Carvey, like, pointing off towards the sky or something. And right next to him is a picture of Kermit the Frog doing the same thing on the opposite page. And he's, like, I don't know who this asshole is pointing to himself. And he's, like, this is who ABC thinks they're getting a show from. But that's not the show that they're getting. So he was just like, he's just like, they they have no fucking clue what is about to happen. And then they came up with this idea of changing the title of the show every week where they would have a different sponsor come in. So like the very first week of the show, the show was called the Taco Bell Dana Carvey show. Okay. And so like every week the sponsor would change. But it was obvious that ABC at some points like... We don't know what to do. We don't know how to advertise this. And this is the thing that sold. Like, I've been wanting to watch this for a while, but this is the thing that sold it because a friend of mine posted this little clip of when he was watching it on Facebook where they're showing a promo from Home Improvement to Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, and Dana Carvey, like separately. And they're showing this promo to Home Improvement. And it's like, you know, this week on a very special home improvement, how does, how does one talk to their children about death or something? And like Jen, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is like, I don't know. I don't want to die, dad. Like he, he thinks he might have cancer or something, you know? And they're all like hugging him. Like, we're going to get through this buddy. Very somber tone. Like, you know, on a very special home improvement followed by Diet Mug Root Beer, Dana Carvey Show, and it shows fucking everybody just fucking losing it. Like, Colbert takes his glasses off and is crying. He's laughing so hard. It's just, like, the most ridiculous thing ever. It's like, what the fuck were they doing putting us on after-home improvement? So, yeah, it's just, it's it's fascinating just to watch it and just watch how ABC had no clue what they were getting when they ordered this show and basically just told them, yeah, just do whatever. So if you're interested in behind the scenes, stuff like that, it's, it's fascinating and I would definitely recommend it. It's on Hulu. So definitely worth a watch. Um, has anybody seen the trailer for this Batman death in the family movie? Nope. Nope. Oh, you're missing out. I want to watch that trailer now. Can we get yeah. the podcast so I can watch it? Or? <laughs> so they're doing a Death in the Family movie, but it's going to be an interactive movie. So it's essentially a choose-your-own-adventure movie with the Batman Death in the Family story. Because famously, they had like the 1-800 number you would call up, be like, yeah, I want Robin to die. Or no, I don't want Robin to die, depending on which number you called. And, of course, America's like, yeah, fuck Robin. <laughs> and so they killed him in the comic books. Well, they're putting out an interactive movie where you can decide 
Does Robin die? Does he not die? And apparently, it's not just that choice. Because the movie continues after the death in the family. It looks like through the Red Hood storyline, too. And you get, to, you get to make all kinds of choices for how the story goes or whatever. And I think that could be a lot of fun if it's done correctly. Yeah. That just sounds like you'd be a blast. Yeah. So, um, How's that being released? It's on Blu-ray. I don't know. Okay. And it says plus digital code, so I don't know how they're they're doing it digitally. I mean, you could have Netflix has obviously figured it out, but like if you watch it on Vudu or Amazon Prime, does it does it give you the option to pick shit? I don't know. Weird. But that's interesting enough that I could see myself paying for a Blu-ray to try it. Yeah, for sure. Then they'll go and they'll overprice the Blu-ray, and I won't do that. But yeah, it'll be like thirty bucks for your interactive movie. Hmm. <laughs> that's that's very interesting to me. I'm gonna watch that trailer when we're done this. Yeah, it's coming out October thirteenth. It looks like that's a long way off. I'm gonna forget about it by then. <laughs> You'll have to remember. Then the other thing I noticed: apparently, the new Bill and Ted movie. Yeah. A uh, new trailer came out, which is better than the first trailer. Yep. Still not sure about it. Uh, but the movie itself is only an hour and 18 minutes long. What? Yeah. If you look I mean, at my... Uh, I don't know what it's rated. I'm pretty much fine with it being whatever. I'm going to see it, so it doesn't... I don't, like, I don't even feel the need to watch trailers for it. Sure. Uh, PG-13. Oh, that's all right. They can do those movies. They don't need to be R-rated or anything. No, but I figure at least an hour and a half, but an hour and 18 minutes. And if you figure with all the special effects and stuff, we'll say four minutes of credits at the end, an hour and 14 minutes for the movie. It's kind yeah. of crazy. I mean, they're making it on a pretty limited budget, I'm sure. I don't want to say which, but one of the actors that plays Bill and Ted is kind of expensive to get. <laughs> one of them might not be. Well, I mean, Winters is in super big demand. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a good director. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was PG, and it was an hour 30. Oh, I'm super excited for Bill and Ted 3, man. I want to... That's going to be a fun weekend rewatching the first two and then going to see that one. Yeah, and then Bogus Journey was an hour 33 and also PG. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I'm on board. It's just, I'm kind of like, wow. Nice, brisk, like, hour and 18 minutes. So apparently they're not, they're not planning on, like, you know, being like, no, we have, this has to be a two hour movie to cram as much nostalgia into this movie as possible. No, I think it's going to be more like, we can get these guys together for this many days how much can we film in that many days <laughs> I mean, the moment That's the moment guess. is a trailer where you see death playing tetherball with himself is one of the best things like i was like okay i'm sold this movie is going to be great here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future uh, all right for next week um my selection is strictly based upon the fact that I just ordered this movie on Blu-ray the other day and it is shipping and on its way to my house. So I'm going to want to watch it. 
Um, and that is the episode of Demons 2 and Wreck 2. Two movies that take place in apartment buildings. All right. I saw they had Demons 2 for pretty cheap on Amazon. And I was like, well, I have the first one on Blu-ray. I should probably get the second one on Blu-ray. Sure, why not? That's good oh. enough logic. Yeah. That's how I got I already found Demons 2 on YouTube for free, so. <laughs> yeah, so two apartment building movies, Demons 2, Wreck 2. I did buy the Wreck uh, box set a couple months ago, too, so it's a good excuse to bust that open. I've never watched either of these movies, so I'm actually kind of interested for next week. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to rewatch Wreck 1. You know, how we, you know how we did Demons 1? It's it's that, but it's in an apartment building. Okay. Yeah, I think I need to rewatch Wreck 1 since they're very closely connected. So It's probably a good idea, but I don't think I'm going to do it. I've literally called up Wreck 2 and the synopsis says the uh, the action continues from Wreck. So yeah. I say yeah, it looks like it's a direct sequel. Yeah. No, I knew it took place like 30 seconds after the original one ended. So, I need to catch up. Right, so, we're watching a 2009 movie next week? Yeah. It seems wrong. It's fine, <laughs> though. It's fine, I guess. But we did the first one, didn't we? Wasn't that on yeah. on last HorrorCast that we did that yeah, one? Yeah. So, that was, it was when Noah came on board that we insisted on doing these we weren't supposed to do movies that came out after 2000. Uh, did we insist that, or was that something that we just made up so that Noah couldn't pick? I think I'm pretty sure it was the second part. I think all of them <laughs> exist purely. They're, they're, they're not podcast rules. They're just rules to contain me from going too far out of field. I feel like the early on in this podcast, though, it was Noah that was insisting on the 2000 rule. And me just going, I don't ever remember agreeing to that, but it's not that hard of a rule, so I'll just follow it for the sake of it. <laughs> was that a rule that we made up? I, I don't remember making up the rule. I remember no. being told that it was a rule. So I assume you two had some weird conversation where it came up. I don't think so. Have you just been following an arbitrary rule that nobody made up and you thought somebody made up? Well, no, I, it's not arbitrary. I that I was following it, I was told to follow it. <laughs> but who told you? Because I don't, you I, don't th- I don't think I made it up. Well, no, it was, did, it was did one you of say, you two. Did you say no movies after 2000? I think that was a discussion we had when we were planning the show. Oh, uh, was it? Okay. See? Dude, I don't remember what I did yesterday. All right. I think <laughs> I'm going to remember a conversation we had like a hundred and... <laughs> 35 episodes ago? Please. Apparently not. I don't know what to tell you. Well, well we're, right. st- we're still doing it, so. I'm going to have to sit down, put together a shit ton of movies from the 2000s that I want to put on the list, which is not true, if anyone's wondering. I mean, we got some other stuff on here that's after 2000. I mean, the Lifetime movies that <laughs> we're totally going to get to someday, the two Corys and the Saved by the Bell. Uh, Black Dynamite. I mean, but that that's supposed to be like the seventies. But uh, all right, maybe that's it. I don't see any other that's ones it. that I know off the top of my head. But still, the list is starting to get pretty sparse again. 
Yeah, now we're going to send off another uh, email. I do, see, I do see that everybody's favorite ghost dog has been added to the uh... ghost dog. <laughs> that was me. I felt obligated to put it on the uh, the upcoming list. I thought maybe we could find like a very special episode to do it for. Uh, and we do have a full uh, Kurt Russell Appreciation Month filled out and ready to go. There's actually more than a month there, so we can still pick and choose. Yeah, sweet. I can't wait for Eye Patch Week, man. That <laughs> <laughs> may be one of the dumbest themes we've ever come up with. So, dumber than Edgar Allan Poe the Fourth. Come on. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.